0: Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, March 17th, 2023. And happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. And let's go right to an update on the latest crisis created by our globalist friends and our American institutions that are incompetent. So we have the parent bank of Silicon Valley filed for bankruptcy today. We have in Europe Credit Suisse. One of the oldest and largest European banks was bailed out by the central bank, and we don't know how it's going to affect us on this side of the Atlantic, because everything is intertwined with these globalist networks, these banking networks, and a collapse of one bank in Europe could affect us, because everything's so intertwined, and no one really knows until they take a look and how this exposure is going to affect American banks and American investors. And then we have a new bank on the radar, First Republic. First Republic Bank is a regional bank that has also been mismanaging their risk in the same way or in a similar way to Silicon Valley Bank. And it's on the radar screen of everyone. And their stock was $115 on March 8th. And today, just in one day, it dropped 33%. and since March 8th, it's dropped nearly 77%. So what's happened is the other Wall Street banks, to me, they're trying to give everyone an appearance. Oh, they're doing something good. And they're infusing $30 billion into First Republic Bank. And so we've got, you know, Bank of America, it's infusing $5 billion. JP Morgan's infusing $5 billion. Goldman Sachs, Uh, 2.5 billion. Morgan Stanley, 2.5 billion. PNC, 1 billion. And U.S. Bank, 1 billion. The total is 30 billion. There's a couple other banks involved with it too. But here's what nobody knows. Is that the banks are, are they actually going to give First Republic Bank this money? Now, all reports, I heard that they pledged it. Now, you know what a pledge is? Well, a pledge is, you know, a pledge is just words. And It means nothing until they start actually infusing money. So we don't know whether they're actually going through it. The other thing we don't know, are these banks infusing money into First Republic with a backstop from the United States government? So we don't know the details on this. So Wall Street does nothing unless they can make money out of it. And I'd like to know is the American taxpayer backstopping this $30 billion. So essentially what I mean by backstopping is essentially being a co-signer. And apparently it didn't have much in effect today. As I said before, uh, First Republic stock went down 33%. So I got a feeling they know a little more than I do right now. And they quite frankly don't believe that these banks are going to infuse $30 billion. And the other question is whether it's going to be enough. Now there's tons and tons of money being thrown out. And I'm talking taxpayer money, Fed money, being thrown at Silicon Valley Bank and other banks that may find themselves in the cash crunch. I mean, we're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars. And no one really knows how this is going to end up. And and I don't don't want people to panic because we don't know if this is going to be as bad as 2008. But I look at 2008 and... My question is, is Silicon Valley Bank this year's version of Bear Stearns? Now, I don't know if you remember from 2008, Bear Stearns went out of business, for lack of a better word. And this was six months, about six months before everything really hit the fan. And I remember at the time when Bear Stearns went under, people were saying, oh, that's the end of it. There's nothing more to look at here. Well, that wasn't quite true. So we've got Silicon Valley Bank today. People say, okay, it's over with. But is it really? Do we have another shoe to drop six months down the road? And will that shoe be worse? We don't know right now. And what worries me, they don't know right now. And what I find really distasteful is how Janet Yellen is addressing this problem. Now, look, Janet Yellen is the current Treasury Secretary. She's incompetent. She shouldn't be there. She was a former Fed chair. So she's overseen this financial disaster. She was part of the group that kept interest rates artificially low. Remember, she said that inflation was only transitory. And what really worries me, and I'm going to play some clips here from a recent meeting, is twofold. One, she's saying that every regional bank is not going to get addressed the same way that silicon valley is as well as signature bank now why her answer is well you know if we deem that it's important that we save these banks we'll bail them out well who's going to determine that and how did you determine that silicon valley bank was so important to the american banking system so let's go to this clip senator lankford from oklahoma ask her he goes wait a second I've got all these regional banks in Oklahoma, and they're depositors. They're all taking their money out and depositing in these super large banks. Will my banks in Oklahoma, my constituents in Oklahoma, will they get the same service that Silicon Valley Bank is getting? And Yellen says no. And the reason she said no is because, well, we're going to deem, we only deem whether banks are important or not to the underlying banking system. And because she's so political, all these high-tech venture capitalists, all these Democratic donors, it's a bastion of the Democratic Party out there. And would Silicon Valley Bank get the same service if it was in a Republican area, for lack of a better word? Quite frankly, I don't think so. So let's go to the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss.
1: Will the deposits in every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of their size, be fully insured now? Are they fully recovered? Every bank, every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of the size of the deposit, will they get the same treatment that SVBP just got or Signature Bank just got?
2: A bank only gets that treatment if... A majority of the FDIC board, a supermajority, a supermajority of the Fed board, and I, in consultation with the president, determine that the failure to protect uninsured depositors would create systemic risk and significant economic and financial consequences. So, what is and your we plan? Made that determination.
1: Right. right. So, so what is your bets. plan? to keep large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks. We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade. I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole. But if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, Look,
2: I mean, we're that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is
0: happening right now. And Lankford makes a good point. There are these depositors in these regional banks that are not afforded the same service that's being afforded to Silicon Valley. They're taking their money out. They're taking the deposits out and putting it into big banks because they know the big banks are going to get bailed out. And we all should be concerned about this. We're going to wind up with just six major banks or less. And that's anti-competitive. It's anti-democratic. But this is what this policy is establishing. So I've got my, you know, I've got over $250,000 in some bank in Oklahoma and saying I'm a business. Well, I'm concerned that that's not going to be protected if my bank goes belly up. Particularly when I know if I move money into a big bank, they're going to get the bailout. Remember, too big to fail? And that's what these policies are doing. And that's what these decisions of the FDIC, the Fed, Yellen, and Biden are doing. And that's not good. To add insult to injury, the FDIC is going to increase the fees that they charge these banks in Oklahoma and throughout the country, the mid-sized banks, in order to pay off the money that they're expending on Silicon Valley. And again, as I mentioned too, is that those fees are passed along to the customer, which is you. So you're paying for the bailout of Silicon Valley. The the ones that did it right are paying for the ones that did it wrong. And this is the policy of the Biden administration. And I'm going to play in another clip. And this is what really gets me. Langford comes out and says, "Wait a second, we've got reports that there are huge investors or huge depositors in Silicon Valley Bank that are Chinese and have ties to the Chinese Communist Party." And Langford asks Yellen, "Well, are they going to get paid?" And she says, "Yes. And what really gets me this Biden administration is all too willing to pay Chinese... Communist Party depositors and not lift a finger for the people of East Palestine, Americans. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss.
1: It has been reported publicly that uh, SVB had a large number of Chinese investors that are there, including some that were companies directly connected to the Chinese Communist Party, will, will will those individuals, companies, entities, and investors that are Chinese investors be made whole based on assessments in my banks in Oklahoma? So what I'm asking is, will my banks in Oklahoma pay a special assessment to be able to make Chinese investors whole from Silicon Valley Bank?
2: Uninsured investors will be made whole in that bank, and I suppose that could include... Foreign, and, foreign depositors.
0: and here's where the political hack that Yellen is. And this is why she's been able to s- stick around for so long. Now, you remember late last year, that $1.7 trillion budget that was rammed through at the last moment, right before the Republican House took over? Remember that? Janet Yellen said nothing about hitting our debt cap. What she did is she waited three weeks later until the Republicans took took over and then sent a letter to McCarthy saying, Oh, we hit her deck cap. So let's go to a clip. She's being quizzed by Congresswoman Melia Takis. So let's go to the clip and then we'll discuss.
2: True, But I find it odd that that three week period
1: between when that package passed or when it was even negotiated, that you didn't say anything as a Treasury secretary to sound the alarm that we were heading down this, that we're going to hit that you're going to have to take extraordinary measures. It seems like something that the American people would want to know while they were jamming through this excessive
0: package. But one of the big whoppers that came out of these hearings is yelling fessing up to how much debt Biden's introduced budget would incur. Now, I don't know if you remember, I think it was two or three weeks ago, Biden introduced his budget, $7 trillion budget. And he made a big deal about, oh, this budget is going to decrease our debt. Now, he he calls it a deficit, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's going to decrease our debt by $3 trillion. And it was a bold-faced lie. And I'm going to go to a clip by senator ron johnson so let's go to this clip and discuss because through johnson's inquiry we're showing joe biden as a liar so let's go to the clip
1: about the uh, president's budget how much are the total deficits over that 10-year period according to the president's budget you don't know that off the top of your head um Yeah, looks like, I'm running out, it's $17 trillion, okay? Yeah, that's uh, You're going to drive the debt from somewhere around $32 trillion up to about $50 trillion, correct?
2: Yes, but what, what I believe is the single most import, important metric for judging the fiscal stance of the country is real net interest as a share of GDP. Okay. We have so, a, so are you concerned when you EDP. when you're taking the
1: debt from 32 to 50 trillion dollars? Are you concerned who's going to buy that debt, and also at what rate they'll expect to be compensated for buying riskier and riskier debt? Are you concerned about that?
2: Well, if the net interest, real net interest cost of the debt remains low relative to GDP, and we're on a sustainable fiscal... Well, we're,
0: we're, not, we're, not, we're not on a well, sustainable I, path. Are you? So there it is. Biden's budget over a 10-year period is going to increase our debt from $31 trillion to close to $50 trillion. Not the $3 trillion reduction he was talking about. And Yellen's rationale is absolutely insane. Oh, it's okay to take it from 31 to $50 trillion as long as the economy's growing. So they've got all these pie-in-the-sky projections. Oh, the economy's going to be really good over the next 10 years, and we can handle $50 trillion in debt. What kind of rational purse would put this country in that kind of risky position? Second of all, it's just bad business. Now, if she thinks that everything's going to be hunky-dory with the economy over the next 10 years, well, that's when you pay down your debt. That's a good business practice. Any good business man will tell you, if you got really good years, you try to pay down your debt, not incur more. But she's part of this whole new economic theory that is pervasive in the White House that, oh, debt doesn't matter, and this is dangerous. And these people have really screwed up this country. You think about what we've got going on? We've got an economic crisis. We've got a banking crisis. We've got inflation going through the roof. We've got our southern border leaking like a sieve where millions and millions of illegal immigrants have entered our country, where fentanyl is killing 100,000 Americans a year. We've got World War III potentially breaking out in Ukraine because of us. You've got Americans in East Palestine that is being left high and dry by their government. While we're paying out communist Chinese depositors. And the list goes on and on. Now it can be fixed. I think Donald Trump's the only man that can fix it. And he's obnoxious sometimes. He's arrogant sometimes. But so what? He sends out some mean tweets. But you know we're going to need a tough guy to fix this country. And I just want to spend a couple of minutes on the stock market this week because uh, it was a wild ride. The S&P finished up 1.43% for the week, and the NASDAQ finished up 4.41% for the week, in spite of both uh, markets tanking on Friday. And it's all about interest rates. The market is trying to talk itself into the Fed. We'll have to stop interest rates, or lower interest rates because of this banking fiasco we have. That's in spite of the fact that CPI numbers came out this week, and they were high. They met expectations for the most part, with the exception, I think, of the month-over-month report, which came out about 25% higher than what was expected. Wall Street still drove the market up, because all they want is lower interest rates. It's not about fundamentals. It's not about anything else. It's all about interest rates. That's what it's come down to. That's what our financial markets have come down to. What the is the Fed going to raise interest rates? I watch Bloomberg a lot, and one of the uh, talking heads, uh, one of the hosts of uh, Bloomberg Surveillance, they're on in the morning. I forgot her name uh, at this point, Abramowitz. And when the numbers came out, the CPI numbers came out, and the market was going up, and she's like, "Well, wait a second. I thought we're supposed to be data-driven. We've got high. We still have high inflation, yet the market's going up." I thought we were supposed to be driven by data and not emotions. And this is what the market is trying to do. They're trying to twist the arm of the Fed in order to get rates not to go up or being reduced. And it's funny to see some of these people that want to drive rates back down at the expense of inflation. So they're out there saying, well, the Fed is, they're a failure. They should just not raise rates anymore. They should reduce rates. And just let inflation go as high as it wants. Because they don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care if eggs go up to $10 a dozen. As long as they can drive their portfolio up. And that's not healthy. But these people are being exposed. And I can't believe Bloomberg even put some of these people on. The Fed should accept that. We're going to have inflation. We're going to have high inflation. And we all should accept it. So let's drive the market up artificially. Just like we used to do since... 2008. Well, those days are over. Country can't function with 6789% inflation. They won't accept it. But I just found it funny how these so-called data-driven people now are just running the markets based on emotion. And that's dangerous. All right, let me give you an update on Biden's other major fiasco, which is the Ukrainian war. So the International Crimes Court issued an arrest warrant for Russian leader Putin. And for what it's worth, I guess it's more symbolic than anything because they uh, have no police force. They have no enforcement of these uh, uh, warrants. So they're relying on all the countries of the world to arrest Putin if you see him. So who knows where that's going to go. Secondly, most of you are aware that two Russian jets knocked down a U.S. drone that was flying in the Black Sea, and U.S. is making a big to-do about it, and it's just another step closer to World War III. Now, this drone was running recon for the Ukrainian army. It was flying out of, without a transponder, and uh, although it was in, in technically international waters, it's essentially uh, another attempt to poke the bear. And third item is communist leader Xi from China is visiting Russia next week and having a face-to-face meeting with Putin. Now, this is, se- this is essentially going to solidify their relationship and likely provide, if they haven't been doing it, provide war material to the Russian army. And we, with each step and with each move, we're getting closer and closer to a kinetic war. Now, we're already in a war. It's a proxy war. We're just using Ukraine soldiers and Ukrainian people as the fodder for this war. But we're getting closer and closer to the kinetic war with each step. Now, Zelensky wants more money. What else is new? We've already given him over $100 billion, but he wants more. And one thing I want to play, and it's a video that was made by a Ukrainian Orthodox monk. And he's pleading with the Christians of the world for help because the Ukrainian church is being persecuted by the Ukrainian government. Now, several of the things that Zelensky has done over the year is he banned opposition parties. He banned certain television stations. And he banned the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. And the reason he banned it was because of its ties to the Russian Orthodox Church. He thinks that there are... Relationships. There's too many people with close relationships to the Russian Orthodox Church. So he banned the church. And this is what we're defending. So, again, I'm going to play a video, and it's by a Ukrainian Orthodox monk pleading with Christians of the world to take a look at what's happening to the Ukrainian church. So, let me play the clip. We'll come back and discuss. His English isn't that good. But let's go to the clip. Communicate to everyone in the whole
1: world that we are Christians, we are Orthodox,
0: and we aren't afraid of anybody and anything. So what the uh, Zelensky government is trying to do, they're trying to remove 200 Ukrainian Orthodox monks from a monastery at their largest shrine in Ukraine. And they're saying they will not move. He said, you can torture us, but we will not leave. And he calls out the persecution of the Zelensky government against Christians. And again, this is what we're protecting. So we shall see. All right, one last thing I want to talk about is, oh, thank God for the oversight committee. Thank God the Republicans took over the House, or we would never have known any of this. So the Oversight Committee is investigating Hunter Biden and his relationship with China, among other things. And one of the things they came across is a $3 million payment from a Chinese energy company to one of Hunter Biden's business partners. And then Hunter Biden's business partner turned around and distributed over a million dollars to James Biden. Joe's brother, Hunter Biden, and Hallie Biden, who was who was Beau Bryden's wife and became Hunter Biden's lover after his brother Beau died. Now, there's a fourth bank account, and it was identified as an unknown Biden, which also received money. Could that be Joe? Well, they're going to investigate. And... The head of the committee, James Comer, says not only does he have information on this transaction, but he has at least 12 other huge transactions from international bank accounts to Hunter, as well as other members of the Biden family. So they're going to look into this. And one of the questions that was raised is what, some of these transactions, or at least one of these this, uh, these transactions included payments that were made while joe biden was still vice president and someone said well why would somebody want to pay an outgoing vice president when they all knew that hillary clinton lost and biden would have lost some influence but people don't realize that because of the deep state there are so many connections joe biden and the biden family have made with the deep state over the years it necessarily doesn't mean he has to have the ear of a president Hillary Clinton in order to get things done. He has his tentacles out throughout the bureaucracy, throughout the swamp that he could have helped these Chinese people, whether or not there was a Democrat in the white house or not. Now, the other thing I want to bring up is if indeed he was, these people were representing a foreign country, you have have to file as a foreign lobbyist in Washington. And people have gone to jail for not filing as a foreign lobbyist in Washington. So we shall see on this one. I want to thank you for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you soon.